This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female. Tanse, hello, and welcome back to the Matriarch Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Shayla Olette Stonechab, and I've been waiting very patiently for this conversation with Chelsea Luger. She is a writer and a wellness advocate originally from the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa and Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. She was born and raised in North Dakota, educated on the East Coast, and she is now based in Arizona, where she lives and works alongside her husband, Dash Collins, and they have the cutest two little daughters. She's also a freelance journalist, and her writing and broadcast work has been published by dozens of internationally recognized publications. Not only that, but she is a trainer and a facilitator for the Native Wellness Institute, and she is the co-founder and editor for Welfare Culture, which is an indigenous wellness initiative and media platform. Her wellness work is rooted in indigenous knowledge and focuses on reclaiming well-being in Native American communities. I have been following Chelsea's and Thosh's work for over 10 years now. Uh, check out their platform, Welfare Culture. We talk about going back to the land, reclaiming indigenous values, but also reclaiming relationships in a modern day world. Without further ado, Chelsea Luger. I'm very excited to finally have Chelsea here with me today. I feel like this has been a few months in the works. I know we're both very busy people. If you just want to introduce yourself, uh, thank you so much. Hi, hi. All right. Thanks for having me, Shayla. Han Madakiapi. Hello, relatives. My name is Chelsea, and I am originally from the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa, my mom's side of the family. I'm Anishinaabe. I'm also uh, Hunk Papa and Mini Kanju Lakota. My dad's side of the family were from the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe and from the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe. So um, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no worries. I, I feel like our work has overlapped with within so many years, like both on social media and when within the wellness community. And so I just want to check in with like, how have you been? I know this past year has shifted everyone's lives really dynamically. And so how are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, honestly, like all things considered, I feel really grateful. Um, I feel, um, you know, fortunate to have uh, support of my husband and my family. And, you know, we've had our ups and downs for sure. And we, I would say my primary job in this season of my life is being a full-time mom. I have a three-year-old and a seven-month-old. And so uh, everything else is sort of in the margins of that right now. And um, so I'm just, you know, wake up grateful every day to have the opportunity to take care of my babies and um, to be maintaining some semblance of balance in sort of this this chaotic time and, and health. Yeah, that was going to be my next question on, you know, you wear so many hats and roles within your life, but first is being a mother. And so how is that shift for you from going from wellness and now into motherhood? How have you been able to balance your life um, in all the ways? I would say that, I mean, there's no question that motherhood poses um, uh, more of a challenge to maintaining balance, of course. I mean, um, emotionally, I'm so invested in how my kids are doing that sometimes I forget about myself. Um, and uh, of course, it's it's just incredibly time consuming. I mean, every single moment of my life is occupied um, with the little ones. Um, so I think that particularly between from going from not having kids to having one was a huge learning curve. And I think a lot of moms will tell you that. Um, 
having an, a, another baby this year, it, the learning curve wasn't as sharp. So I feel like I've been able to like really sit with it and enjoy it a lot more and be a lot more present. And like anything else, motherhood is also a skill. I mean, you get better at it as you go. <laughs> so I like to think, you know, I, I had it quite a bit more figured out um, the second time around. But yeah, every day is a learning experience. And I just, you know, as with everything else in life, I, I try to emphasize and focus on the 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 parts of it that are, are bringing joy. And, and I think, you know, starting every day and every moment with gratitude is really the way that we do that. Um, but yeah, certainly balancing um, career and motherhood is um, is a big challenge. But but I'm here for it. And I and I always say that what's really interesting is looking back, you know, so many years ago to when I really committed my life to sobriety, to wellness, to you know, founding welfare culture and all that stuff. Um, the 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 primary thought that was sort of in in the forefront of my mind as I began to envision my future was. I'm going to be a mother one day. What kind mm-hmm. of mother do I want to be? And this is years before I met Thosh, you know, before mm. anything. But I still knew that. And so I always say my kids are, um, rather than kind of viewing them as getting in the way of my wellness, which you could see, because yeah, sometimes like, because of my kids, I don't have time to work out or to cook the mm-hmm. right thing or whatever. But in reality, the way that I try to look at it is, I am well because of my children. I am well because mm. of the thought, the vision of my children in my future. And so really they're, they are my purpose and my foundation. I love how that you even visualize like, how do I want to be a mother? How do I want to embody motherhood before you were even had kids or before Thosh was even in your life? And so there's mm-hmm. this idea of uh, matriarchy. And so I'm curious to know, how would you define the word matriarch and who are you currently inspired by? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I view matriarchy as a system of balance. I view matriarchy as a, a state of being in which um, women are simply uh, being ourselves. Um, and uh, it's it's so funny talking about, like, I don't even want to use the word allowed, like in mm. a system in which women are allowed to 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 live and to be and, and to exert our full potential. Um, because we're the ones giving ourselves that permission, right? It's not like yeah. somebody else is allowing us to do that. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's the way that I view matriarchy, just as powerful women. And um, of course, I have to note my my mom is always kind of the first person that comes to mind. Um, but I also very much grew up in a family of strong. I mean, I have like I have a lot of siblings, but the ones I grew up with in my house are all girls, all all mm. sisters. So. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I really admire my sisters. I, I admire my mom, my grandmothers, of course, on, on all sides of the family have always been inspirations to me. And um, just dozens and dozens of women in history and in Indian country. And um, 
there's just, there's so many <laughs> I, can't, I can't even name any <laughs> yeah so many but I love that you bring up uh like being in your power and like uh visualization is so, so powerful and for me uh when I really became into my power I was challenging the ways in which I gave my power away and mm. so I noticed I did that through like relationships and mm. through allowing the like patriarchy to dictate and control my life and so yeah, yeah reclaiming your power can look so many different ways and I love that uh we both have very different uh lives but also remaining rooted in our power and so mm -hmm. I know that you have um done so much within your career within the wellness world and so I'm curious to know how is it being an indigenous woman taking up space within a very um you know white dominated wellness industry um I actually view my work as being within the, the indigenous world. And so I would say first and foremost, I view, um, and, and you know, Thash and I have always been unapologetic about that, that our primary audience, our primary, um, uh, you know, network is within the indigenous community. So I feel like I entered into a space where, man, there have been native people leading the way in wellness, like for generations, right? Mm -hmm. Like. Um, I feel, I feel, um, grateful for the, the people who, who came before me in that sense. And so, so yeah, that I, I would say, I, I would say I, you know, it's an empowering process for me to understand and to center the notion of wellness just within our communities and to, to mm -hmm. view our people as like the primary viewers and audience of, of our work. Um, that being said, of course, we also operate in, um, another structure, another society. Um, I, I tend to not really use the phrase like two worlds. I think, you mm. know, we're in, we're in one world and, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, there are just infinite viewpoints and, and experiences happening. And, um, yeah. So I would say as far as the mainstream wellness world, you know, it has been a challenge to, to sort of, um, uh, dabble in those spaces. And whenever I work with companies or publications that are in the mainstream wellness world, I understand that they need my contribution mm. more than I need them because mm -hmm. uh, their understanding and their notions of wellness come from the indigenous worldview anyway, whether they realize mm. it or not, whether that's North American in indigenous or whether that's indigenous peoples globally mm -hmm. we are the the base and the core and the root of all wellness and all modes of holistic thinking and that's something that i am um honored and proud to share that about our culture and to assist others in realizing that um but certainly i have had you know as I'm sure you have <laughs> so many conversations and incidences with the mainstream wellness world trying to appropriate or not recognizing the value of mm -hmm. indigenous contribution or um yeah appropriation is just a huge one for me that I'm just like mm -hmm. so fed up with it I can't even 
Mm-hmm. I just yeah, the- you in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the reason why I'm asking because at times it yeah. can feel like pretty isolating or alone because usually or most of the time we are the only Indigenous person in a mainstream wellness space, and so yeah. I'm curious to know, like, yeah, the how you, how you remain rooted in your values um, when you are the only Indigenous uh, person in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, um, and, and I would say, yeah, for sure, even outside of the wellness space, that's, that's been my mm-hmm. experience so many times. And it's hard, because I think that in those moments when you face discrimination, or when you face, um, you know, cultural appropriation, or whatever it may be, it, it's an emotional experience. You, you know, we've all been there as Native people, your heart is beating fast, you lose your words, you don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you feel belittled, you feel angry, and it is very difficult to have a measured and controlled response mm. and an impactful and effective response in those moments. And not only to articulate it in, the, in that state of while you're being emotional, but also um, to, to remember to center your, your own well-being mm. and to discern, is it worth it? Like mm-hmm. putting forth my effort and my energy and my words into this space or this, you know, incident right now, or should I just like let this one go and continue? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the constant, like, um, you know, uh, struggle that, that, yeah. that it entails. And it's so different. I find it's like different through each relationship that you're building. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of extra like educational, emotional labor that's attached to uh, relationship building and to these contracts and to all these other things that people don't recognize that happens behind the scenes. But I'm curious Mm -hmm. to know, like your journey into wellness, has wellness always been a big part of your life or was that something you found later in life? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, spirituality and and my Lakota worldview has always been a part of my life. I don't remember not understanding that or having a time before that. Um, you know, some of my best memories from my childhood are, you know, sweat lodge and Sundance and, um, you know, that, that whole aspect of my culture. Um, so I've always had that. And that is what I eventually realized is the root and the core of, you know, not just my wellness, but but indigenous wellness at large. And um, so that that concept of living in balance, the concept of the medicine wheel, spiritual, mental, physical, emotional, that's something that, I mean, is, is you know, again, has been deeply ingrained in, in my, my spiritual understanding of the mm-hmm. world, which, which is something that I feel very fortunate to have been raised, immersed mm-hmm. in. Now, have I strayed? Absolutely. I was a rotten teenager. I started, you know, smoking pot and drinking at age 14. I was very, um, I was like a good kid in the sense that I was super, super motivated on academics and sports. Mm. But I was, again, like just, uh, you know, I was in a place where I, where I did regularly experience um, discrimination and mm. um, feeling like the only person in North Dakota where I grew up, you know, going to an all white high school, feeling like the only person who understood my, like the world in the way that I was seeing it. And, and uh, I really rebelled, I think, for a lot of those reasons. And also on my res, like when I'd be there, um, 
yeah, there was just like drinking and partying and all that stuff was like mm. really prevalent. Um, so I definitely veered and I strayed. And then even though I, you know, I went to a good college and, and always maintained the course with my academics, like I, my, my well being was not priority in my adolescence again with, with the partying and all that stuff. So, um, you know, but fortunately, like I would say, I had this steady stream of like my cultural teachings, my values, these were what were grounding me. And they would occasionally like pull me back and pull me back and ground me. And like, I'd be reminded mm-hmm. or when I'd visit home or certain things would happen. And, um, and then it, it was only just a matter of time before I think my, like my little bubble of being on the East coast and being so far removed from home, it kind of burst. And I mm. just didn't want that anymore. Like I wanted a future. I wanted to feel good. I wanted happiness. I didn't want to be depressed or anxious or hungover or mm-hmm. any of those things. Like I said earlier, I wanted to be a mother. I wanted yeah. to, you know, work in my community and 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 to just use my education for something that meant more than just a paycheck. Like I wanted I guess what I realized I wanted wellness. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Mm -hmm. I know you speak of indigenous wellness, but that can look so different for each person, Mm -hmm. depending on the nation that they come from. And so what does indigenous wellness uh, look like to you? And what does that mean? Yeah, great question. Um, Well, for sure, you know, my my conception of wellness, as I mentioned, is rooted in my Lakota and my Anishinaabe culture. Um, So just, you know, uh, being a good relative, um, living in balance, understanding the medicine wheel, understanding uh, like from the my Lakota side, the seven sacred rites, or mm. um, the from my Anishinaabe side, um, the seven grandfather teachings. Um, it's really interesting how that number that number seven always comes up, always. and that's part of the reason why. So my husband and I developed a model for wellness called the seven circles of wellness, which, um, which is kind of the, the core of our welfare culture work. And, um, that is sort of, um, something that is, uh, it's a generalized mode of balance that Mm -hmm. anybody can apply to their life, no matter what nation they come from. Um, so I feel that that is also become a part of my understanding of indigenous wellness. But, mm. um, but yeah, you're right. It, it, it really looks different for so many different people. And I think that that's why it was important to us because we do work all across Indian country. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it became important for us to develop um, a model that could be adaptable and malleable to people depending on what nation they're from. And indigenous wellness is like inclusive for all or do you have to oh, be yes. indigenous? <laughs> You know, I think aspects of it um, are something that only Indigenous people can understand. I always Mm -hmm. say that, like, you know, we have really a leg up when it comes to being educated on wellness because it is so deeply ingrained in our in our culture and in who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have uh, so many role models in our community that have been exemplifying that for thousands of years. So we sure do have a a leg up in understanding wellness. and, and there are certain aspects, certainly, of, of ceremony that are, you know, culturally specific and would be inappropriate for others to, um, to adapt. But um, as far as the notion of living in balance and, um, you know, uh, 
you know, having reverence for our food and, and doing movement as medicine and all those things, you know, anybody can, can do that. Yeah, I love Mm -hmm. that. Um, You also have connecting back to land, like you don't need Mm -hmm. to be in a big gym with all the fancy equipment, you can literally like, go to the land, create that relationship, have a workout. Um, And so what would be your advice? Or what do you even do in times of where you're not feeling in your power when you're feeling lethargic or Mm -hmm. overwhelmed? What are practices that bring you back to yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. I just want to start by saying that even as a wellness, you know, advocate and a wellness practitioner, I have those, not just moments, but those days, those weeks, those months, like, I certainly feel out of balance all the time. And what I always start, um, what I hope that that folks uh, recognize is to just be gentle on themselves when it comes to wellness, and to know that you're not going to achieve this state of like, perfect being this state where like, Oh, I'm feeling great all the time. You can get pretty close. I mean, you can, you can feel like pretty well balanced. I think when Mm -hmm. I'm an elder, I'm going to be like pretty, you know, doing pretty (laughs) all right. But, um, but you know, that's a journey. And, and so it's not only is it okay to feel out of balance, but it's normal. It is human. It is human to feel just down or off or, or whatever it may be. So when I do feel that way, I think what I always say is I just like to start small. So Mm. I'll tell myself like, okay, um, you've proven to yourself before that moving your body, even just a little bit for five minutes is going to make you feel better. It is going to automatically like release some endorphins and Mm -hmm. it is going to, you know, bring a little smile to your face and just like make you feel a little bit better at least just do five minutes. So I'll tell my, okay. So I'll start with five minutes and then usually what happens is it'll turn into more, you know, it'll right. turn and be like, Oh, this feels good. Okay. I can do this today. I can so it'll turn into like a half an hour or maybe even an hour. And, you know, maybe I'll do some stretching and then I'll, you know, take, take one of my girls for a walk outside and, um, shoot, maybe even like lift some weights later on, yeah. um, but it's not just movement. It's also like, um, sometimes you got to eat. Like mm-hmm. I just want to eat something that nourishing. Sometimes you just gotta, you know, have a cup of coffee or have a conversation with my husband and just like, um, unplugging is a big one for me. And that's one that I've been really, really good about lately, actually. Like I'm hardly on like my phone or my computer anymore. And that Mm. really contributes to my wellness. So, um, there's so many things there's so many and I think it's yeah like dismantling like this colonial programming because even I like I have to learn so much about my diet because I'm unlearning like all these health uh vegan or like all these fad diets Mm -hmm. and it's really hard on the system but also Mm -hmm. unplugging um I think because we're so tapped in all the time that it's like literally giving our power away to this uh, piece of technology there's like Mm -hmm. the pros and the cons of it and I know that you've worked with Nike and seven and you've partnered mm-hmm. with a few other uh, brands. And so what has that been like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I enjoy it. I, I, I think, um, you know, it's a, it's a small part of, of my work um, that can be, it can be really fun sometimes just in the sense that I think, you know, we can all have a little bit of fun with our careers and, um, with like our notions of wellness. Like I, I do believe that there's an artistic and a, and a fashion element to like, if that's something that you enjoy, then you can incorporate that into like, you know, recognize that, okay, that is a part of your well being. Like I love Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, 
you know, fashion and, and, and fitness and all that. Um, so yeah, it's been fun to, to partner, to partner with some of those brands here and there. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's something that I see myself always doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, you know, regarding N7, for example, it's, it's surreal because I remember being a kid. So my first job ever, I don't know if I've ever told this story. My very first job is, um, uh, being a fireworks, uh, (laughs) because my dad always owned a fireworks company on our res Mm. in Standing Rock. And so from the time I was like 10 years old, every single summer, I would be like working morning to night in, <laughs> in our, like, like slang and fireworks. fireworks. Um, and I remember the first time I saw N7, somebody walked in and he had this like medicine wheel with like, and then it had like a Nike symbol oh, on this sweet. little backpack. And he, I guess he had been sent some stuff. This is way back in like, yeah. I don't know, the early 2000s sometimes. And I was like, I thought he made it. Cause I was like, I could <laughs> never imagine like seeing like an indigenous symbol on this like big brand, mm-hmm. you know? And then um, of course, years and years later, uh, then, then like, you know, N7 was kind of like rare for a while. And I remember living in New York city and I would like, like try to hunt down, like, where can you buy N7? And <laughs> like, um, yeah, just for like years later to now sort of like be a part of the team and work with them. Yeah, is, like, it's very awesome. surreal, very exciting. I love what they do for, I mean, I, you know, they, I love that they, um, you know, all of their proceeds go into uh, indigenous youth athletic and sports and wellness programming, which is um, really impactful and millions of dollars have gone there so far. And, um, and, you know, that's great. Yeah, I feel like um, they, they provide a blueprint for hopefully other brands to follow of like giving back to the communities through resources and through funding and through literally giving back to our youth. And so there's um, this idea of indigenous futurism and existing in um, mainstream spaces, uh, indigenous representation. And so why is indigenous representation so important? And what does indigenous futurism look like to you? Mm. Um, representation is important for our youth because it's important for our, our youth to understand that, um, we are as diverse as anyone else. We are as capable as anyone else. We are, um, belonging anywhere that we wish to belong. And, um, I would say it's even more important for mainstream, I mean, they're the ones that are really benefiting from indigenous representation in, in a way, because mm-hmm. God, like our worldview is, is so important and so enriching and our, um, our art and our beauty and every aspect of who we are is like, you know, something that only uplifts the world that the world needs to see and needs to understand. And, um, yeah. So I think, um, you know, representation is cool in those ways. Um, now there are also parts of me that is very like, I I hate for us to be tokenized and Mm -hmm. I am really like, have kind of been looking out for that lately. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really important for us to have, to have the ability to discern, like, does this company like really value diversity and incorporate indigenous worldview and indigenous communities in meaningful ways, or Mm -hmm. are we being tokenized and, 
So that, I think that's a question, you know, something that we're always navigating, right? Totally. And it's such a fine line too, because we have been historically left out for so long that it's like when you are the first of something, then initially it is going to feel kind of like tokenization regardless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's something that I've been uh, playing with in my mind as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this idea of indigenous futurism of why cannot we exist in these spaces that we have been left out of? And so in your eyes, what does Indigenous futurism, what do you hope for, for the future? Um, I, so Indigenous futurism is an intergenerational worldview. It is recognizing the cyclical nature of life. Uh, It is recognizing that all of our teachings originally come from the land the land is the original curator of our culture. The land is still here, will always be here for us, holding mm-hmm. us up. It will take us into the future. And in the future, we will continue to remember a mm-hmm. lot of what has always kept us going, always kept us alive, always kept us well. And uh, in the future, we'll continue to remember these aspects of who we are. We will we will revive. We will... Um, revitalize and we will continue to create and Mm -hmm. um, our people have always evolved and adapted to uh, new life ways to new experiences and that's what we will always continue to do and so I just hope that my daughters understand again that they're very much anchored and they're very much rooted but they're not being held down, mm. not being confined or boxed in. And that's what I want my daughters to understand. And any other indigenous youth is, um, you know, the future is, is happening. It is who we are and it, you know, um, it will be whatever they want it to be. The future is indigenous. Yeah, <laughs> We have so much to learn from indigenous people and indigenous voices. And I like that. Um, it's like a remembering. It's like we're, we've already been given the tools and the foundations of how to live a balanced and healthy life. And it's just it's literally in our DNA and in our bloodline memory, too. So it's just like recalling those gifts forward. Um, mm-hmm. And speaking of forward, uh, what do you have on the horizon for the next uh, the rest of the year, the rest of 2021? Man, the main thing is that we've been writing this book, um, which is really exciting. Uh, we we, we uh, signed a book deal with Harper One, which is an imprint of HarperCollins, um, about six, seven months ago now. And so we've been, that's uh, in addition to, to mothering full-time, that's been my, my primary uh, project uh, as of the past several months. Uh, we're just in the throes of writing and editing that and um, man, it, 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 it's, it's been the challenge of my life, but also such an honor and such a gift and, and, and such a wonderful opportunity to be able to, to meld all of my passions and all of the areas of work that I do. So I've always been a writer and I have a master's degree in journalism and, and, um, I, I mean, I've been a writer ever since I was a child really. And, um, and then uh, of course, um, I have a history degree um, from Dartmouth and, and uh, that is sort of the center of my understanding of, of um, indigenous wellness as well is like understanding our history and understanding our, our ancestral um, mm-hmm. uh, ways of being and our ancestral lifestyles. And, and so to sort of um, be able to take all of these things that I've been studying for so long and that have been like the center of my passion, then of course with wellness and then bringing in 
um, Dosh's stories and perspectives. Mm. And, and he's, of course, writing it alongside me. And, and he's also doing right. the photography. And um, it's just it's a culmination of so many years of, of work and it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I can and imagine. Then, yeah. So that's going to come out like next year. Um, I'll say it. And uh, so that's, yeah, that's, that's the big thing taking up all of our time. And then in addition to that, um, you know, mothering, and then I would say, um, yeah, just continuing to continue to figure out, um, everything else <laughs> <laughs> right I'm curious to know a little bit about your writing process uh for mm-hmm. me I just write for fun and usually I have to be like in a very I have to have like a certain step set up be in nature or like have some kind of inspiration going and so what does your writing process uh look like for you well right now it's like um <laughs> it's not cute it's like <laughs> uh, it's like as soon as um both of my kids are sleeping I like scramble to my computer and I'm like tired like, wiping the like you know crap out of my eyes and I'm just like oh, yeah wake up. like you can do just a few more hours like you know plug away and it's like yeah. a lot of that but uh, I'm not gonna lie like it's not cute it's not glamorous it's not but, cute um <laughs> You know, um, but I, because I do, I have to get in that zone and I have Mm -hmm. simply realized that I, I don't have time to write during the daylight hours right now. I have to be focused on my kids. Um, so I had to really like train myself to, to once again, become a night owl and like write Mm. at nighttime. And, and so that's what it looks like. And, uh, what I always do, like my trick, I guess, if I'm sort of having some writer's block or um just not feeling the inspiration or the motivation is um is I open up a book like any mm. I have a, a pretty good collection of books now that I've read and reread and reread and um so sometimes I just allow my um you know instinct to guide me and I'll pull one pull one off the shelf and uh open the page like open it to uh, whatever page and it always mm-hmm. ends up being like something that I needed to see or something that nice. I needed to read in that moment. And um, so I, I, yeah, I tend to just go back to a lot of these like trusty books that have brought me through a lot of life so far. Yeah, and, it brings yeah. your inspiration and motivation forward. And I know you mentioned Thosh on here a couple times, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thosh is a photographer. I met Thosh um, when I was very young, like 18 probably. And that was the <laughs> only time I met him. It was the last time and then he took off to the states but uh for listeners just how what would your advice be for creating like good relationships with your partner and you're working in so many different dynamics together so Mm -hmm. yeah what is your advice for singles out there for people (laughs) that are in relationships how do you keep the circle strong (laughs) yeah that's a great question i i want to start by saying too that i completely understand like you know what you said about um you know, before you coming into your power and you had struggled with sort of some unhealthy relationships and stuff like that. Um, I Mm -hmm. fully relate to that. I had that Mm -hmm. same experience. I had some really, um, uh, you know, unhealthy relationships in the past that I had to, to, um, remove myself from and then heal from and learn from. And then I had this like really good streak and chunk of independence, and it was a complete, I, I always like to remind, it was a completely independent process where I decided to be sober, where I decided to pursue mm. wellness, where I decided to return to the cultural teachings and values that I was raised with. Like that was, um, and I, and I really believe that if it hadn't been an independent process, then it wouldn't have been as genuine or as authentic. And it, 
you know, you, you, you gotta be like, you gotta lead yourself and allow yourself that time when you're young to like, um, establish that, um, solid foundation of who you are without somebody else's influence in there. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. so I want to just say that if I hadn't done that, then I really don't think that I would have Dosh in my life. And he has said the same vice versa. Like you gotta be well for yourself for a while. Um, and, um, so, so yeah, but ever, you know, fortunately I, I do feel that, you know, we both had been on some good healing journeys, uh, before meeting each other. And then we founded welfare culture together when we were just friends, we weren't, uh, in a relationship yet. And, um, and so we are, um, I think it's interesting because a lot of times people will say like, how do you work with your husband yeah. like how are you guys like <laughs> you're always together you're always work, you know working and raising your kids and living together everything and everything. for us it's like that is the foundation of our relationship so we almost can't mm-hmm. imagine it another way like i can't mm-hmm. imagine being married to somebody who's not dosh because yeah. he's <laughs> you know he's so passionate totally organically about all the same things that i'm passionate about and we just mm-hmm. have the same perspective on like how we should raise our kids and how we should practice wellness for ourselves. And um, certainly we, uh, we have our own independent things that we do. Um, and we love to give each other space and give each other, we have, you know, the, the, the core of our relationship is also like freedom and trust. And, um, you know, because of that, it, it's healthy and it thrives. And, and um, yeah, I think that uh, it, it kind of helps that we work and do the same thing um, because, it just all feels pretty seamless. If Yeah, I have like not a partner, but a soulmate best friend where we mm-hmm. do everything together because yeah. we like the same things and it just feels so natural because mm-hmm. we both built are building something that is based on the same likes and dislikes. Yeah, um, that's awesome. And you give me hope. You give me hope that <laughs> as a single individual woman we're in her power that yeah. I will find, <laughs> yes. I will find my future uh, <laughs> life partner when it's ready. Of course, no doubt. <laughs> fingers crossed um and how can people support your work uh, moving forward do you have workshops coming up how can people support what you're up to mm-hmm. um yeah well thank you for that um if if people would like to donate to any cause i always suggest um look up the native wellness institute which is a nonprofit organization that based in gresham oregon that we work for um, the, um as consultants and as trainers um, they, uh, do a lot of work for youth and a lot of work for, um, for community and within community. And so, um, so please, you know, support them. And then also, um, well for culture, we have, we're taking a little bit of a step back from like a heavy schedule of trainings and workshops right now, Mm -hmm. just because we are focused on writing the book, but, you know, absolutely Mm -hmm. reach out to us, um, and I'm sure you'll have our contact information in the podcast notes. But yeah, reach out to us if you'd like us to maybe one day visit your community or at least meet you over Zoom. Um, <laughs> we still do some of that from time to time. Are you coming to Canada anytime soon? I think our borders open in like a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I don't think we have it on the agenda, but we would, you know, I hope so. Every time that we, um, you know, visit communities up north, we really have such a great time and 
Um, you guys are also progressive up there and doing great things in wellness. And so, um, yeah, we, we, we hope to, to make it up there. If not anytime in the next couple of months, for sure, like next year sometime when the book is coming out, we'll be doing a big Sweet. tour and yeah, hopefully we'll see you up there. What are you allowed to say what your book's called or is that still in the works? It's a tentative title. It's called, um, uh, the seven circles of wellness, which is what our, um, model that we created for indigenous wellness is called. Um, and it's, I think the subtitle is like an indigenous philosophy for living a balanced life. Um, Sweet. but that could, it could change, it could but change. that's kind of like the, yeah, that's the tentative title. Awesome. Well, I'm counting down the days till it comes out and Thank I you. hope that our paths cross in the future. Maybe I have yeah. to go to, where are you, Arizona? Yeah. Come yeah. on down. Anytime. Are things better <laughs> over there? Is it safe over there? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's not safe anywhere. Yeah. You know, it's, it's such a hard thing right now dealing with this pandemic. And, um, I just, I'm really treading lightly with, with everything. Like I, I felt so, um, confident for such a long time that like the vaccine mm. was, um, I just didn't, well, of course I still, I, I advocate for the vaccine and I advocate for everybody to do that, but I just didn't anticipate this like Delta variant being mm. throwing a wrench in everything and all the mm. efforts, but man, like this pandemic is coming with lessons and it's coming with teachings. And so I'm just continuing to try to, um, you know, be as safe as possible for, in order to protect, you know, our vulnerable community members, mm -hmm. our elders, our children. Mm -hmm. like so, yeah. You know, community we'll tread lightly with travel, but <laughs> yeah. Community care is so important right now. Um, and yeah. personal care. So thank you so much for, uh, taking your time to share your, a bit of your story, your knowledge, your wisdom, your medicine. I hope to meet you soon in the future. Uh, maybe do a workshop or a training session together. Yeah. Uh, thank you so Let much, Chelsea. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Thank you for okay. having me. It's, it's great to be here. Really appreciate it. Appreciate all the work that you're doing and just excited to be a small part of it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I would love your feedback. Follow me on Instagram at Shayla0h at matriarch.movement. And don't forget to subscribe on the pod platform of your choice and review and rate where possible. I'll be back in a week. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for tuning in.